0: I could get you. If you have your Bibles, please open up your Bibles. We're going to be uh, in Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible and you would like a Bible, we've got Bibles right over here. Um, we'll make sure that we can get those to you. If, you. if you'd like a Bible, please raise your hand. If you um, have one on your phone, please. We're just going to read Scripture, and then I really want to continue on as we've been in the book of Ephesians. Um, a letter written by Paul in 62... Roughly most scholarship says 62, 63, just before his, uh, his, his execution in Rome. Many of you will know that he was crucified, beheaded for his faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and he begins to write back to churches that really desperately need some instruction. How many of you need instruction in your life? We all need instructions. How many of you have ever tried to put together an Ikea box? <laughs> And all you see is those pictures and you go, that's great, but where are the words? We all need instruction. And I think Paul writing to us, he's going to give us a bit of instruction on how we, as the church, are supposed to live out this faith, this faith that we've been given. And it's beautiful because the first thing he calls us to is unity. The blessing of God is like the Spirit of God coming in Psalm 133, where the psalmist cries out, it's like the oil of the Holy Spirit falling down on the head of the priest, of the beard of Aaron. And it's so heavy that, that it actually brings a unity. See, God's Spirit calls us into unity. And it's so plain in the text but let's, let's just read this. As a prisoner, Paul says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. All of us have received a calling to God. The, the airwaves are out there. And one day in the next generation, Elliot will be calling out the airwaves to say he might even have that mohawk still. And he'll be out there reaching out to his generation, calling forth To come, all you who are heavy and weary and laden, come forth. Please join us. Join us. Why? Because the world is tough. And Paul is sitting in a prison and he recognizes the toughness of the world. And yet he says, you are worthy of a calling. But he is a worthy. Live a life that's worthy of God's calling In you. Be completely, what? Humble. Humble. Humility. Gentle. People always ask, you know, why is the church so fixated on us going before the Lord and asking God to forgive us for the things that we do wrong? And all of us have made massive mistakes in life. It's because God's word calls us, as a character trait, to be humble. We don't have all the answers. We just know one who does have the answers. And he is able to make us humble and gentle. Be patient, bear with one another in love. Bearing with one another has a lot to do with how we live our lives. But it's a hard one because it looks different everywhere you go. Somebody you know might be going through a drugs problem and you need to come alongside them and help them. Somebody might be going through a marriage problem and you come alongside and bear with them the burden that they're carrying as they go through it. Some of you might even see somebody on a bridge, as I did this morning, a young girl, leaning on the outside of the bridge, ready to jump in front of my car, the police standing on either side, the same bridge where the woman jumped from before, and you can see the stress on her face, and sometimes bearing with her is literally saying, life, God, you don't sit there and talk about it. You just, life. Give that, wo- give that woman life. Allow her not to suicide. Life. That's bearing with somebody in the trial. This is what we're called to do. Make every effort in the church to keep unity. This doesn't mean we have to set aside ourselves. When the world always says to you, well, you know, it's all about you. You know, self, 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 self-help. How, how much money is spent on self-help books? And yet God says, not about the self, it's about the unity of the corporate that gives us a bond of peace that we live in. But it's hard to maintain the bond of peace. It costs us time and energy and work, and we have to set ourselves aside. We have to put off those things that we think are often important. Happens in every relationship we have, and yet God calls for it in the church. This is what I want for you. Because he says this, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called, uh, the, the Greek word is literally invited. How many of you like going to parties? When the invitation was out to David's tent, I'm going I'm to tell you this, I, um, I, I woke up early and the girls were still getting ready and I, I was going to run from the tent city into the big tent because I knew the invitation was there, I could hear the music start playing and I was like running. And I have to confess, I didn't tell you this because I was a little like red in the face afterwards, I'm running through this wooded area that's kind of got roots and things, and it's got all these signs that say, make your way to the house of the Lord, the peace, you know, and, and I'm like, and I hit a root while I was going because I was running to the tent, and I flew and landed on my face. Sometimes we get invited into things. We've been invited to parties. We've been invited to those things, and you know what? It's going to take a little work for us to get there, but you've been invited to come. Are you happy about that? See, I got right back up and kept running. First of all, I didn't want anybody to notice I had fallen, but then again, I was still ready to get to the tent. And when I showed up, I had my knees all dirty, and you know, I could pass that off by saying, oh, I've been on my knees for hours. Um, You know, but at the end of the day, like, I'm there. I'm there. There's one body. You're invited to one hope. When that girl was about ready to jump off that bridge, do you think that all the angels in heaven are not saying, hope, hope in me, put your trust in me, hope? We need more hope in this city, do we not? I mean, we're the drugs capital of Europe. Do we not need hope? Man, everybody on the hilltown needs hope. They don't need more methadone. They need more hope we got to give him hope. See, because you are called, you're summoned. How many of you love being summoned by the king? Have you ever been summoned by the king? I've not yet been summoned by the king of England or the king of Scotland or the king of the United Kingdom, but I have been summoned by a great king. And there's nothing like going into the presence of the king. One Lord, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God. Notice how many ones there are in there. I looked up the Greek word for one. It's ho, heck, mia. He uses it very differently. But it means common. Do you realize that every one of us are different in this place, and yet God calls us to a common faith through a common spirit? We don't all have to be the same. Quite frankly, we shouldn't be cookie-cutters, should we? We should all look very different. We should all speak different languages. I know we have Ukrainians. We have Hong Kongers in the place. We should all speak different languages. We should reflect the glory of God, who is what? Global. He's the king of the universe. He binds us all together. He's over all things, and he's in all things. How many of you are having a hard time at work right now? Nobody wants to raise their hand for that one. When we're having a hard time at work, guess what? God's in it. Do you want to know why? Because he's in all things. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. He never walks away from you. He's in it with you. Why? Because he wants to prove and display his glory. That as you walk out, the difficulty that you have, because you've been summoned by the king, because you have a calling, because you've been invited, and because you're one body, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, you've gone through it. Guess what? You are one. The commonality of this, you are in. We are in him. Each of you have been given a grace. That's what it says right here. But to each of us, grace has been given. Do you know what grace is? Grace is unmerited favor. You got the promotion when you didn't deserve it. Amen? You got the love when you didn't deserve it. Amen? You got the care and concern when you didn't deserve it. Praise the Lord. Because Christ apportions it. And his love never fails. It never runs out. It never runs dry. God has life coming from the cross. His love is beyond measure. Beyond measure. We cannot measure the love that he has for us in this place. All we have to do is actually just say, you've summoned me here. I'm ready to receive. See, it says this, and I love how the early writer writes this. Paul writes, he says, I want to I tell you that it's kind of like Psalm 68. And every Jew would have known what Psalm 68 was because they sang them all the time. And they believed them. And so he says this, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to people. Now, I thought it was interesting because I was like, well, what does Psalm 68 really say? You ever wonder that? It says exactly the same thing, except for the context. Psalm 68, 18 says, You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train, meaning your glory, and you receive gifts from men, and even those who are rebellious, that the Lord may dwell with you. Even when we are not listening, God is listening to us. He's there for you. He's able to walk you through the trials and the tribulations. Why? Because we're being fitted for the sake of his glory that we might bring unity to the world and unity to this family. What does he ascended mean? Well, I love this. This is an addition, a textual addition, uh, that he ascended to the lower regions of the earth Uh, He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. He's basically saying Jesus is the cosmic God. He's everywhere. He's bigger than any other God. Have you ever thought about that? There's nowhere that you can run from his presence. There's nowhere where you can hide from him. When I go up to heaven, you're there. When I descend into the depths, you're there. Your right hand, it leads me. It guides me. So that Christ himself, and this is what happens in this. God comes so that he can appoint people, leaders, apostles, teachers, prophets, evangelists, pastors. What? To equip the body for the works of service so that the body might be what? Say built up. Come on, say it loud like you're happy about it. You're not in an igloo building something that's going to melt. We never get snow here anyway. You're building something that will last. Right? Till we reach what? Unity. I've learned more, I think, over the course of my life in Christ than I ever did before. And what I've learned is this: that God is a God who loves people, and I think that was the thing that I was so when I was on the my face before the Lord in the tent. God cares about people; He loves people, but He loves His glory as well. And as we bring Him glory, He shows the people. Well, He wants you to live in unity. That means that some of us might have things against each other. We just need to take them to the Lord. And take them to each other. The knowledge of the Son of God is important too. It's vital. That we reach unity in faith, but we also reach unity in what? The knowledge of the Son of God. I wonder if the girl on that bridge, if she fully understands how much Jesus loves her, would have been on that bridge. You ever ask that question? It's a hypothetical. We don't know the answer. Only God does. But if she would understand the knowledge that man, no matter what's going on, he's there. And he wants to bring her into a a beautiful relationship of unity with him. For those of you who are in Christ, this is important. This is important. We need maturity. I want to tell you, Ashley, that Elliot did a great job today. (laughs) Because you can see at times he was like, oh, you know, right when he was coming in, he was not in a happy mood. But I'll tell you this, he did a great job. But I don't expect him to be at the same level as some of you who are a bit older, amen? You've grown up a bit, we hope. (laughs) You're a bit more mature. You've walked down roads that need to be walked down. And this is what the unity of the body brings. We grow into fellowship as people, as we interact with each other, and as we interact with the Lord, we become mature. This is what Paul is saying to the Ephesians. I want you to become mature. That means that the things that we once struggled with, maybe in the past, were growing up a little bit. They're not there anymore. We don't have to dwell on them either. They're coming through. We're we're coming through that season of life. We're growing. Why? Because we're putting our faith more and trust in him. And as we put our faith and our trust in him, we begin to mature. I I have daughters who are musically inclined. And uh, when Courtney and I decided that we were going to have them play violin, um, how many of you realize that when your kid plays a musical instrument at the beginning... It's like, okay, you stay in the house. I'm going outside. <laughs> and, and, and you sit in the background and... And you're like, oh, it's gonna, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. <laughs> but over time, what happens is they start to mature. And they start to get more excellent. And they start to... And then all of a sudden, you find that they're in the background playing this incredible music. And you're going, that's really nice. And you know you know that they've matured. For those of us in Christ, as we put forth specific attributes in our life, we we display to everyone around us. As we're able to bear, as we're patient, as we're humble, as we're gentle, we're able to what? Display the glory of who Jesus is. That's it. So that we might be more like him. How many of you want to be like Jesus? Jesus. Do you remember this? We watched a movie about uh, Michael Jordan. Do you remember that song? Want to be like Mike? Do you remember that song? It was like an advertisement. Be like Mike. Be like Mike. I don't want to be like Mike. I want to be like Jesus. (laughs) I don't really want to be like Mike. I think Mike's great, but I don't really want to be like him. I want to be like Jesus. Why? Because I want to experience the fullness of Christ. That's what it says. Then we will no longer be infants then we'll be no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there, every wind of teaching. Let me tell you something. Not everything that everybody says all the time is true. Can I get an amen? How many of you watch the news? I mean, it's insane what is being purported as truth. And every one of us in our little knowers here, because we've been created in the image of God, and because we have a space for God, we kind of know what is right and wrong. And when we see something that's not truth, we all know it's not good, amen? And we all go, oh, well, this is what we're supposed to be protected from as we mature, as we grow up, as we stop... Being infantile in our thinking, we become mature and we recognize when people are trying to be cunning and crafty and deceitful. That's when we grow. We we are mature enough to know and discern, you're not true. Now that that may sound harsh, but this is what Paul is trying to tell. Because here's what's going to happen instead how many of you love the word instead how many of you ever used that word before i wish you would instead i wish you would ever have that conversation oh no everybody's like no i'm not i'm not putting my hand up i don't want i'm not acknowledging that instead see there's a good and here's what paul's saying hey i want you to speak the truth in love do you know what love does The Bible teaches that love covers a multitude of sins. It's Jesus' love that covers. And when we display Jesus' love to the world, it covers up all the mistakes. It's like like going to a wall that's cracked and you, you have like the perfect stucco, you know, plaster, and you're just, it's all covered. See, this is what Jesus does. He covers it by his blood. He allows us to speak the truth in love, that we grow up. We grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Each part does its own work. So we all have a common thing. We're all working towards maturity. We're all working towards unity. But God has given us gifts and abilities that we use in solo. Some of you would never want to be up here. Did you know that? Some of you are like, yes, I know that. Some of us don't have other gifts. And, I, I, and, and because of that, we don't venture into those areas. And yet God calls us to mature but he calls us to be a body that builds the kingdom of God. And I want to say this, each part doing its own work, what has God called you to do? Well, God is concerned about you as a dwelling place where his spirit resides and where he resides in you. That's what he's concerned about. That's what he's calling the church to be, a dwelling place. And notice what he says here. These are the three things, if we can encapsulate them. Christ is concerned about his dwelling place. He wants unity. Says it right there in three verses. He wants leadership. Talks about apostles and those things. And in each moment, all of us are called into that space in which we actually say, I'm a dwelling place for God. He lives in me. Because I'm called his own. He chose me and I... I came to the invitation. And all of us in this place, as we pursue God with our whole hearts, and our minds and our souls and our strength, and as we pursue loving our neighbors and those people all around us, and as we grow in our leadership, the literal Hebrew word for that kind of leadership is kohinam. It's where we get the word priest. As I become more and more of a priest serving God and loving God and honoring God and worshiping God and, and, and singing out to God. And as I, as I love my neighbors and as I serve them and as I do the little things that are needed to, to make Jesus known. And as I, as I reflect God's heart in the way I behave, I grow in spiritual maturity. That we all grow common in spiritual maturity and become the people of God God called us to be. I wanna pray over us, and Stephen, I'm gonna ask you if you can come up if you can for the last song, but I wanna pray over us. And I wanna ask this question because I asked it of myself when I was in the tent with 7,000 other young people. I ask this question. God, who have you called me to be? Who have you called me to be? That can never be fleshed out just by me. It'll be fleshed out by every one of us as we interact with each other. But who have you called me to be? And the Lord began to put little kind of nuggets in my heart. You know what he said to me? Almost not audibly, because I won't say that. But you know what he did? He 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 resoundingly said, "You are a throne worshipper, Nathan." I was like, "What's that?" <laughs> I was. I know what it is. It's that I wanna. I wanna. I, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. I would rather be one day in His courts than a thousand days elsewhere. Just one day. I just want to be in Your presence, God. I wanna. Th- I wanna worship You right where You are. He also said, you're, you're a man of justice. And I, uh, I know that to be the case because I believe in speaking for those who are oppressed. Jesus felt the same way because it's his heart as well and he speaks for the oppressed as well. He actually releases those who are oppressed from bondage. And he calls us as those who follow him to do the same. So I want to say this. When we gather together as a common people, we just want to say this. That if you are in need of the Lord, and you, you are feeling, I need God. I have been far away. And I know this about Scotland everybody in Scotland had some form of history with God because this was a Christian nation who loved God with all their hearts and they served him. And so it's not a question of whether or not you just don't know him. You know him. The question is, can you come back to him because he's invited you back to the wedding banquet and it's time to come. He loves you. And he wants you to know who he's called you to be. I want to pray for us. And if that's you and you're sensing, hey, I need prayer, we're not going to have a lot of fanfare, but we are going to invite you to come forward after the service is over. Why is it important to come forward for prayer? Because if you need prayer, we want to make sure that you're prayed for. And so I want to ask the elders, if you're here and you're sitting in the seats, if you could come forward and be those people. If you sense from from something in your heart, I want to be able to pray as well for people, please come forward. But let me tell you something. Don't leave this place and go back out into the world where that young girl was sitting on a bridge. Don't go there. When the extension of invitation is here to say, hey, I love you, come to me. I love you. And you may wonder, why am I even sitting in this place? I had the same question when I first went to church. Why am I here? It's because God wanted you here and he loves you. He cares about you. He thinks everything about you. You're never not on his thought. And he wants you to come to him. So I want to pray. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. Father, I want to thank you that you are good. Your mercy endures forever. You are perfect in all your ways. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come. You would would lead us and guide us to the man whom you love, Jesus. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he did on the cross for us, that he has forgiven us and our sins because he loved us. Father, you took my place. He took my place on the cross. My place. Mine. And Lord, I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful and I pray for each of us in this place that we would be built into the body that recognizes not not the infantile, but actually recognizes that we can mature and be grown-ups in God. And that we would see the world change. We'd see our communities change. We'd see our schools changed, God. We'd see, we'd see our families change. We'd see reconciliation in the family. Father, we ask that you would forgive us for the moments when we haven't put our trust in you. We honor you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.